Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is a story about design. Whether we've been creating elementary stone tools, traveling into space, or developing our own artificial intelligence. Since the beginning of time, humans have been fascinated by how our world works. Our planet is a wide system. Often its rules are simple, but simple rules can lead to great complexity. In order to navigate this complexity, we've developed approaches, philosophies, and processes to help us. And our businesses and industries are massively shaped by these ways of working. But as we become yet more global, there has been the rise of standardized processes and methodologies that aim to make navigating the increasing complexity manageable. One key method that has swept the business world during this century is all about putting the human at the heart of the things we make and do. That method or methodology is called design thinking. Why did we make our organizations, processes, and the things that we use in the way that we have? This is a series about design thinking and how it is changing the world. That's Sam Fry and I'm Richard Adams. In this episode, we are going right back to the beginning. We are going to hear what design thinking is, where it's come from, and why it has become so prominent. To do that, we're going to speak to and listen to people from business, design, education, the world of art, and of course, practicing designers. So let's get that first question out of the way. Act one. What is design thinking? Design thinking, how do you describe it? What a question. <laughs> That's a question that I've been asking myself in the last year. <laughs> design thinking is the most complicated subject I can think of. because If you ask 10, even 100 different people what design thinking means, you'll get 100 different answers. Around six months ago, Richard and I were talking about how we wanted to learn more about design thinking and its background. So for this series, we've taken a break from interviewing artists about technology and we've put on our journalist hats. We've spoken to people from across the design industry. Design thinking is the breakthrough point for innovation in design. Design thinking is an applied method for making things to solve complex problems. Design thinking to me never really sounded like anything but a new term for problem solving. For me, design thinking should be something very fluid, organic, and embed into different designers. It's a system thinking. It's a strategy behind the actual doing, right? I see it as a way of collaborating, co-creating with others to, to make sure that you're bringing your users into the center of whatever you're doing and whatever you're creating. I feel like design thinking should be always be done with, with a team. I'm not sure if a valuable design thinking is done by yourself. It is a form of distributed cognition, which is to say that it's much like a chef thinking um, process. So a chef thinks by pulling ingredients out uh, and you know, pulling out pots and pans and knives and things like that and, and, and whipping things together and, and by cutting and chopping and cooking and, and it's a very tactile thinking process. That's an awful lot of definitions and different interpretations. Stanford defines it in a very simple way. Design thinking is a methodology for creative problem solving. 
But what do the practitioners experience? Hal Wirtz. My name is Hal Wirtz. I'm a creative director at IBM. I lead a set of products in our AI applications portfolio. Uh, but before doing this, I spent many years as a design thinking consultant at IBM. I worked not only internally on our change initiative, but also with many clients from many different um, sectors and industries. Like many large global companies, IBM have embraced design thinking as a way of transforming their business. As one of the people that took on this challenge of transforming IBM, Hal is well positioned to talk about what she thinks design thinking means in practice. Design thinking is very much about solving things in the real world. It's practical, it's oriented at things of the real world that we're trying to address. Uh, two, it's about making things. Human beings make things. We've been making things for a long time. Design thinking is a process for making things in the world. And then three is that it's for complex problems or what design thinking calls wicked problems. Design thinking is all about not like not not siloing things off from everything else, but intentionally being integrative, right? Intentionally thinking about how can we bring a lot of people together to solve this problem because it is multidimensional, because there are layers to it. So that's the kind of short of what the objective of design thinking is. Um, in order to get to those, in order to get to that outcome, I mean, there's lots of different methodologies out there that if you search for design thinking on Google, you will see a gazillion diagrams that show different versions of design thinking. There's a lot of versions out there. Um, but I, I think in essence, for me, it comes down to, to three things. So one thing is that it's human centered. I mean, this is this is the heart of it, right? It's human-centered empathy. This is what you'll see over and over again. It's about taking a problem and reframing it for a human being. Very powerful, very powerful concept in and of itself. Um, two is it's about iteration, right? It's about like a philosophy for making something. Built in there is like failure because we're making things constantly. So we're prototyping, so we're learning. So making to learn, very important. And then the third one is around collaboration. So it's intentionally not about a individual solving a problem, but about getting a lot of people together to align towards going in a certain direction, which is hard, right? And so when it, and when it comes to complex problems, there's, there's perhaps nothing as important as figuring out how do we get a lot of different people with a lot of different points of view to all come together to go in the same direction towards solving a problem. And that's like a clear competency that um, design thinking emphasizes. It seems that design thinking is a methodology for creative problem solving. More importantly, perhaps, it's human-centered, iterative, and collaborative. And not only are product design departments in businesses using it to solve complex problems, but so too are governments and other bodies around the world. So where did design thinking come from? Let's find out next. Act two, where has design thinking come from? Design is a ubiquitous term. It's used everywhere. As we have heard, there are different interpretations of what design thinking means, so people's first interaction with the term are often quite different. So where did the term come from? To answer that question, we went to one of the world's best design schools. 
The Royal College of Art was founded in 1837 and is often regarded as the world's most influential postgraduate institution of art and design. So where could be better to start? Dr. Yankee Lee is a design researcher who co-founded the Enable Foundation. She trained and taught at the Royal College of Art from 2000 to 2012. I am Yankee. Uh, I, I think in a nutshell, I would describe myself a design researcher working on social innovation. Um, but this sounds like a lot of buzzword already. <laughs> Yankee explained to us that despite working in design education at universities and design schools for several years, the term design thinking has only recently started to appear. Because of her background, when Yankee first came across the term, she assumed that the term was about designing a way of thinking. For Yankee, design is a verb, so design thinking means to design thinking. Just like you could design a car or an experience, which as you can tell is quite confusing. When she first heard the concept of design thinking, it seemed foreign. For Yankee, design is such a broad term which is constantly evolving, so the concept of a singular approach to thinking is strange. Because I think design has so much like new definition like in the past 20 years. And so how can you fix uh, design thinking in one way? So it's every time when I started to look at a lot of articles, it just become very prescriptive. But for me, design thinking should be something very fluid, organic, and embed into different designers. This is not an uncommon response from those embedded in the traditional design industry. For many people, there's an acceptance that the design industry is already varied and full of different approaches. So design thinking can seem, often, like quite an alien term. This is Tassie, who also works in design education at the University of South Eastern Norway. I'm Tassie Ellen Thompson, and I practice as an artist, as a designer, and also as a I'd like to say educator, but I'm going to call it learning facilitator because I truly believe that's what you're doing. (laughs) So that's, yeah, that's what I try and do in life and I love it. Tassie explains how she first heard about the term. I started to hear about this term um, quite some years ago, I think possibly even you know, seven, eight years ago, even though I've been in design and creative practice for 30 years. (laughs) So, um, yeah, kind of curious. Clearly, design thinking isn't a traditional design concept. So we wondered whether the approaches that Hal described earlier are familiar. Concepts such as being human-centred, iterative and collaborative. So I started to hear about this kind of idea of process. Um, A lot of it was very familiar and then later on, um, I came across this as uh, started to see it popping up in courses, um, started to see it being advertised as, you know, university uh, webinars and, and seminars and that kind of thing. Um, and I, I think I had a, you know, slightly sceptical I think is probably how I felt about it. So if design thinking hasn't come from traditional design institutions, where has it come from? Amanda Foreman works at Zone, a cognizant business. My name is Amanda. Hi, everybody. Nice to meet you. I am originally from the sunny state of Florida, but currently escaping to England, which has amazing weather. (laughs) I came to the UK um, to do my MBA 
um, in a program that focused on sustainability and how to use business for good and stayed on to work as a consultant and now a business designer. It was during Amanda's time at the Said Business School at Oxford University that she first came across the term design thinking. I was first exposed to it formally when I started doing my master's in business, but I had heard about it before. It was a concept that had been floating around sort of in the the atmosphere, I think, for a little while. I wasn't unfamiliar with it, but it wasn't until I had taken some different classes where I saw it in theory applied um, as far as like the methodology of talking to people and prototyping and, and actively trying to engage in solving a problem in a more creative, um, fail fast way. And, but it was, it was interesting because like you talk about it, but then you're like, oh, how does that actually work in real life? Do people actually do that in real life? And we would do like projects and, and things in class to, to see it, but then actually like seeing it in real life was totally different. So I would say I'm fairly new to the design thinking practitioner space, um, but it has been really, really interesting so far. And I'm really excited about it as a methodology and a way of thinking. So if it didn't come from traditional design institutions, but has found its way into business schools and businesses, where did it actually come from? Let's return to IBM, who gave us a more comprehensive history of design thinking. Here's Jessica Tremblay from IBM. So I'm Jessica Tremblay. I am a designer under the design program office, um, the DPO, under Phil Gilbert, the GM of design at IBM. Um, I, do, I do a lot. I do a lot of things. Um, right now, my, my full-time role actually is um, lead designer for racial equity in design. So we have a, a bunch of volunteer um, and some part-time full uh, work stream leaders. I am in charge of making sure that they have everything that they need in order to um, succeed. Jessica explained to us where design thinking came from. The history of design thinking itself as a practice, um, it, it dates back to probably the 30s or 40s when science design, science design was the thing. So if you Google how to scientize design and science design itself or design science, um, it's something that came about in the 60s when industrial design and product design really started to begin to distance themselves and become a thing separate from uh, engineering and science practices. So um, there's there's a bunch of old white men that come into the play right here because they were just the figureheads of the time, right? Um, and they they uh, they did a bunch of uh, experiments and research into you know hey what are ways of thinking separate from the scientific method yeah there's there's professors so some some pretty great figureheads actually over over in the UK so Nigel Cross you'll see Buckminster Fuller Brian Lawson uh, lots of lots of people that you can Google you'll see it mostly applied to architecture and urban urban design urban landscape design. Um, Peter Rowe was one of the first humans to to publish a book on design thinking back in 1987. Um, but that was strictly in the architecture sense. And then you'll you'll see there was this thing called cooperative design over in over in Scandinavia. But all of these ways of thinking they they evolved around putting your users at the center, and they revolved around prototyping, so making things fast, uh, failing fast. Uh, big ideation sessions. So generating multiple ideas, prioritizing them, testing them. So 
Um, this just this is what just kind of in essence became what is known as design thinking. There's a lot of names there. So let's break down that history a little. Jessica mentioned Buckminster Fuller, who is a prominent design practitioner working throughout the 19th century. Fuller has been described as a design scientist whose practice was focused on solving global problems. These global, complex problems that Fuller worked on are essentially what Hal Wirtz described earlier as wicked problems. That term, wicked problems, was introduced by a man named Horst Rittel in the 1960s. Rittel was a mathematician, designer and teacher who was trying to describe an alternative to what many saw as the definitive design process at the time, a linear, step-by-step approach where you first define a problem, then you solve that problem. Crucially, Rittel didn't see design as being linear. The term wicked problems was later linked to the term design thinking in 1992 by Richard Buchanan in a paper that he wrote called Wicked Problems in Design Thinking. And although Jessica didn't mention it, there were other key figures writing about design process in the 50s and 60s. Two of the first authors that are recognised as writing specifically about design thinking were John E. Arnold, who used the term design thinking in his 1959 book, Creative Engineering, and L. Bruce Archer, who wrote a book called Systematic Method for Designers in 1965. It's pretty clear, then, that there was a lot of deep thought and discussion about design processes during this period in the 50s and 60s. That thinking, though, evolved heavily throughout the 1970s and 1980s. Nigel Cross was also referenced. He originally studied architecture in the 1960s before studying a master's in industrial design technology and a PhD in computer-aided design, so quite a varied background. Cross published a journal article in 1982 titled Designerly Ways of Knowing, in that he argues that design has its own intellectual and practical approaches, different from those in science. He said that there are things to know, ways of knowing them, and ways of finding out about them that are specific to the design area. Jessica there referred to Brian Lawson. In 1980, Lawson wrote a book titled How Designers Think, which was based on his observations of designers at work, and also on interviews he conducted with designers and their collaborators. Now, while that book has been republished multiple times since then, Lawson has also gone on to write books such as What Designers Know and The Design Student's Journey. Here's Hal Wirtz again. A really interesting thing that happened in the 50s and 60s is that people started writing down, oh, what is, what is the process for this? Like, how might... How do we actually, what's the process around creating something or designing something? Uh, and so there's these like really kind of nerdy, wonderful books from the 50s and 60s around the methodology of brainstorming, for example, right? It's like the first time that someone wrote down like, how might we brainstorm a new idea, right? <laughs> and so it's really a fun kind of period where people are thinking about uh essentially scaling design as a competency, right? What's the, what's the process that we can teach people around um, making something together and thinking creatively together? So pretty clearly throughout the 20th century, there was a movement towards uncovering the thinking process of designers. And then in 1978, 
a company named IDEO or IDEO was formed. IDEO is sometimes credited with inventing the term design thinking. Now that's not quite the case, but they did make human-centered design much, much more well-known and applicable in the workplace. Especially, of course, when they started working with Steve Jobs at Apple, developing, with others, the first usable computer mouse. IDEO continued to work with technology, designing the first notebook computer for grid systems. During that project, IDEO's co-founder, Bill Mogridge, became interested in how to make the computer's software more usable. He was then credited as coining another design industry, interaction design. But how did design thinking go from being the study of a few academics and the practice of a company like IDEO to something that's used across the world? But in 2005, that's when design thinking itself started being taught as a practice at the Stanford School of Design, otherwise known as the D School. So they were the ones who made the teaching and implementation of design thinking one of their central goals of the school itself. The combination of IDEO's success in applying human-centered design and Stanford D School's decision to educate people around design thinking has led to the explosion of design thinking. Here's Hal Verts again, talking about how this is spread. Right now, we're kind of in this fervor of design thinking. Over the last 20 years, it has taken over business and technology, uh, and, and it's moving into universities hardcore in the last 10 years. I mean, it's been in Stanford for a while, but there's lots of other universities who are using design and design thinking to be an integrative center. So why has it become so popular? What is it about design thinking that seems to be resonating with organizations across the world? Act three, why has design thinking taken off? Of course, IDEO did not just use design thinking for their own projects. They have specifically helped many other companies adopt design thinking too. And IBM is one of those companies. I mean, even IBM where I work, I mean, we, we contracted with IDEO in the creation of our early design thinking process. And it has the foundation of what, has, what we've used to educate 350,000 people. As Jessica Tremblay explains, when she was asked what has made design thinking spread, it is stories like IBM's transformation that are most impactful. Honestly, it's our story. It's telling our story on if it can work for a company the size of IBM and where we were and now compared to where we are today, it can work for you, right? So it's we're pretty much just telling our story out there and putting our story out there gets gets people con convinced. But design thinking isn't the only methodology that has been spreading like this over the last few years. Companies all over the world have adopted various approaches to optimizing the work they do, especially in the context of complex changing environments. Business principles such as lean and agile have also contributed to the spread of design thinking. Amanda Foreman reflected on this. I think it's likely tied to the proliferation of agile as well and that idea of how do we move quickly how do we iterate on things how do we move forward fast and test things i think the other thing is just that we haven't necessarily seen other methods be 
as successful at producing human-centered products and services. So, you know, there's a lot of companies who say they're human-centered, but there's still so many products and services that are produced that obviously nobody ever talked to a person or established like that there was a real issue with that. So I think that it's almost like been born out of necessity a little bit of like, let's be a little bit more fast, creative, um, human centered in the way that we look at things, which I think is like very necessary. Throughout the 20th and 21st century, businesses have been moving away from industrial manufacturing approaches to collaborative, iterative and human centered ones. Robert Hookman Jr. is an innovation strategist who works at Tangible. My name is Robert Hookman Jr. and I am an innovation strategist with Tangible in uh, San Francisco. And I work primarily with enterprise companies, tech companies, uh, to determine how their innovation practices work and to help them inject better, leaner, more rapid, more efficient, more effective methods. Robert also explained to us how design thinking has helped companies move away from their old ways of working. I think it's gained popularity with companies over the time, uh, over the years, especially with uh, with enterprises, um, because it it unsticks sort of a chronic problem in in enterprise product development processes, which is that. Modern product development largely is based on an old-world manufacturing model. Uh, it, 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 very ha- it very much happens sequentially. It happens, I like to say it happens in a chain rather than a circle. So, And by a chain, I mean, let's start at zero. Somewhere in the business, somebody decides they have a strategic business objective. They uh, stick some researchers on it. The researchers go investigate that idea. They come out you know, uh, weeks or months later with a bunch of research. They then try to trans transpose all of that information into, you know, download all that information into some designers' heads. And then designers kick off their part. They do a bunch of design work, build in all of, you know, bake all of their assumptions into some sketches and some prototypes and things like that and some comps. Uh, And then they document all that stuff as rigorously and rigidly as they can and hand that off to the engineering team who then (laughs) goes and does their part. It happens one step after another, one giant phase after another. And there's very rarely any real great communication between these groups of people. Uh, They become very siloed. So even though you've got five different types of people working on the same product, they're, they're working on that product as though they live on different planets. And design thinking brings those disparate members of the product development process together a lot better. Uh, and it gets, you know, it creates a way for the engineering uh, team, for example, to get to know their customers better. And it creates a way for designers in more complicated situations to start uh, agreeing with each other and to be more collaborative. And it creates a way for business stakeholders in a product development process to collaborate with those designers. Um, so now everybody can start to agree on things more and and visualize the ideas that they have, visualize the problems, visualize the potential solutions uh, in a way that was not happening previously. Today, we wanted to learn what design thinking is, where it has come from, and why it has become so prominent. We learned how design research became a focus of study in the 20th century, which was picked up by businesses like IDEO and others who saw that it could really help them deliver more compelling products, especially technology products. Yet it was the decision of institutions like Stanford who decided to formally teach design thinking that has helped the concept snowball. 
We've also learned that design isn't new, of course. We've always done it, as Hal Wurtz explains. I always come back to human beings, right? The way that human beings have always designed things, right? We've been designing things. We've been fashioning the environment to work for our purposes for our entire existence, right? That's a human competency. So if we've always designed things, then after at least 100 years of formal study into such things, how well understood is design thinking now? And when we teach design thinking as a methodology, does it work? Or is this just a fly-by-night short-lived phase? Find out more in the next episode of this technique series about design thinking. This episode was written, recorded and produced by Sam Fry and Richard Adams. Thank you to Alex Stanick, Amanda Foreman, Diana Kangiza, Hal Wirtz, Jessica Tremblay, Joseph Pacal, Lisa Ayama, Robert Hockman Jr., Stiliana Minkowska, Tassie Ellen Thompson and Dr. Yankee Lee for being interviewed. All music from this podcast is available on a Creative Commons license, downloaded at freemusicarchive.org. Artists include Alex Productions, Circus Marcus, Croanda and Jazar. Don't miss an episode of this series by subscribing to this podcast feed. Also, please give us a five-star rating to help us in the podcast charts. Find out more at technique.create-hub.co.uk next time on Technique Explores Design Thinking. Coming together round a table, lots of pens, post-it notes, <laughs> big sheets of paper on the wall. This isn't just a workshop, right? This is going to be a long process. I think that was a big paradigm shift for me, honestly. And we find out how well understood design thinking actually is and what people really think of the design thinking industry that has exploded. Design thinking has exploded into the workplace of the 21st century, putting humans at the heart of design. Or does it? Isn't it just the post-it note workshops? More importantly though, where did it come from? How did it become such a massive industry? And where on earth is it going? Is design thinking what is taught in design schools? And can it be used as a philosophy for the future? Find out more as we, Richard Adams and Sam Fry, explore these ideas with experts in the field on our first Technique mini-series about design thinking. Subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss an episode.